Good morning. Good morning, everyone, again. This is our last sermon in our summer series, Jesus is Better. We've been looking at the last two chapters of the book of Hebrews, and uh, today's our, our finale. And then uh, next weekend, can you imagine, it's already Labor Day weekend. Uh, in the fall, every fall, we have a, a fall vision series, or let's remind ourselves of what God's put in our hearts, where he's guiding us, where he's leading us. Let's remind everyone and everyone that's uh, joining us uh, in the fall uh, where is the Lord leading us? What is God calling us as a, as a church and as a people of, of God, as a family of faith to be about? And so you might recall back in uh, 2018, our, our first series together, our first vision series was titled More. More God, more love, more life, which is our, our kind of our, our mission statement uh, re, re, reduced. Uh, we talked about that to really consider what does it mean to, to know God more deeply, to love others uh, more completely, to live life more fully to the glory of God. And then last year, we introduced to you all the work that had been going on for the previous couple of years, all the work that our leadership has been involved in, and all of our core leadership uh, on, on staff has been involved with, with our We Are Family 2020 to 2025 vision series. And we talked about the idea that we see God calling us and has always called this church to be a family of faith and the investment and the reinvestment in what it means to be family, connecting with one another for sure, but also uh, making room and space for new people to come and to join our family. And the importance of family ministries and children's ministries and youth ministry and marriage ministry, holding, holding marriages together. We see God, God's first institution was the family and that that's what we're called to. That was back, way back last September, and oh, if we'd only known. So this series, this next series is going to be called 2020 Hindsight. <laughs> Boy, if we'd only known a few things, maybe we'd plan or, or do things a little differently. But you know what we're going to discover as we go back to the vision that we believe God has given to us? It will be confirmed that even in and through and even because of things that we could not see or predict God's at work through all of that and confirming even more that original vision for the next five years as a family. So that will be uh, next week and into uh, the weeks ahead in September. But here we are in the letter of, of Hebrews. It's really a sermon. Uh, it would take about an hour to be read uh, to the church. And so imagine these folks are, are sitting there someone or standing and someone is reading to them aloud for about an hour and the author comes to the end of this long message with a prayer request, a pastor's prayer, and some final greetings. That's what we're going to look at right now. Uh, if you're here in the congregation, if you'd like to at home, we invite you to stand as we honor God's word. Let's stand together as I read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18 to 25. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and a desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that we may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, 
through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written you to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Read all of your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So for, for 13 chapters, we, uh, really an hour-long sermon, and this will not be an hour-long sermon. Hold, hold applause. Hold for applause. The writer is really being a theologian, and he's making an argument of why Jesus is better, why he's superior to all the Old Testament uh, figures, why he's better than all the institutions that were set up and designed in the Old Covenant. He's made this argument as a theologian. And here, right at the end, the last few comments, he takes the theologian hat off and he puts on being a, just a pastor, someone who cares for people. And he expresses to them a few final action points, things that they can do, exhortations, and here these last words of asking for prayer, and then a prayer himself, and then final greetings. Look at verse 18. Pray for us. God-fearing, God-loving leaders know that prayer is essential. Prayer is vital. He says here at the end, his first personal point is, we need your prayers, people. And I would say to you, church, to your home, we need your prayers. I need your prayer. I, I can't say on my, on my own, in my own words, but I hope that my actions have shown that I'm seeking to be a godly leader. I'm seeking to follow the Lord. I know the people around me, that you've surrounded me with an incredible team of leaders, our elders, our staff. All of them want to see this as well, that the Lord's will be done. But in order to do that, we need your prayers. There's so much on the line. While other preschools are closing, our preschool is remaining open. We're making room for, for kids to come. We need your prayers to help make sure to keep them safe, to nurture those kids and take care of those families. But we don't know how to do it. We need, we need God's help. Kid Ventures, uh, our, our children's ministry, is talking about uh, plans for midweek programming. Our, our youth program, RISE, is, is kicking things off on September 9th. We're going to have kids coming back, and we're figuring out all the details to keep them safe, but to nurture their faith. Kids have been removed from church for so long. Now school's going to be online, unheard of for most of us. So how do we guide and care for, come alongside and teach and listen and do life together, we, we need prayer. We need your prayers. How are we going to have all these small groups continue in the fall? So many of them have been put on hold, which is our summer way. That's kind of what we do. Many of us kind of take the summer off, but now here comes the fall, and David's ready to launch new small groups. How will we do that? Lord, please. Help us. Even minutes before the service was starting today, we're trying to figure out as a team, okay, how are we going to do 
kickoff Sunday in the midst of COVID and the NFL season. Wow, that's complicated. That's very complicated. You're laughing, but I'm telling you. We are totally dependent on God for what is ahead. And so I love that it's just so, those three simple words, pray for us. Prayer is how we obtain God's blessing. So people, please, even now, if you're distracted, pray. If you're getting up to get some coffee, can you pray on your way there on your way back to the couch? And fall is coming. Labor Day is right. Isn't Labor Day when you're not supposed to wear white again? Is that right? So I have to put all my, my seersucker suits away and know why. Change is coming. It's getting darker faster, isn't it, folks? Oh, yeah. The sun's taking a little longer to come up. We're going to be stuck in our homes more. Camping trips and hiking trips and, and outings are going to become less and less. We need to pray for our church family. We need to just spiritually wrap our arms around this whole flock together. And I need your help to do that. So the author says, pray for us. And then he says, quote, we are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. And then he says, I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be what? Restored to you soon. Now, David covered this last week. In, in context, I think the author means he doesn't feel any guilt. He's freed up for having now left Judaism and, and that system. He's freed from the old religious practices. He knows that Jesus has now brought in a new and better way and a new covenant. So he, that, I think that's what he's speaking of here. He, he's experienced that freedom in Christ. He, he, that, that burden has been lifted. The ceremonial laws, the food laws, all that he's saying, our hearts are clear. Now he says that I think in part because the reason for writing the letter is so many of those hearing it were still wavering and weren't certain. Sometimes it's the leader that we look to who can just say, this is where we're headed. I'm certain of it. What can we be certain of in these times? We're certain that God loves us. We're certain that God has called us. Isn't this the kind of leader that you want, that we need desperately as a people? As a church family, what a beautiful thing to say that they desire. This, he's not speaking only for himself. This is the whole leadership. So this would be the whole team. He's speaking this over all of the elders and all the pastors of this community. We all desire to live honorably in every way. Honor, worthy of esteem. We desire to be uh, an example for you in the faith to look up to in what regards? Only on Sundays? No, in every way. We should expect that of our leaders. You should expect that of me. And so if you expect that of me, if you put me on that high place, boy, I need even more prayer because I'm a sinner just like you. And then he says, I particularly urge you, King James Version, I beseech you, to pray that I may be restored to you soon. What's he saying? He's saying writing is good and all, but, but I want to actually see you in person. A live stream is good and all, but I want to see you in person. I miss you, church. Yesterday, Cheryl and I were at Home Depot um, 
picking up some stuff, and we ran into the Wilcoxes, Chris and Annie and the kids. The last time I saw uh, Abby and David, it was so many months ago. It was early March, I think, or late February. We had a, a kids' message time up here. It's the last time all of our kids were together. And I masked, and it's been all these months. They had no clue who I was. Or at least I didn't think they did. Phoenix, sure, sure, she knows who I am, and she's a little afraid of me. It's the mask. I worry that we've now set patterns in our day-to-day, week-to-week life that says it's okay to put church as an extracurricular activity. I worry that we're going to give up coming together as a church. I worry for our students who will be online for, who knows, six, seven hours a day, Monday through Friday, and, and boy, you know what? If you need to take Wednesday off, parents, I, I get it. You gotta negotiate things. Like, okay, I guess being part of your small group and being part of youth group is, could be optional, but I worry. I worry for our ladies who've been so committed so many years. Mary, how many years have you come to women's Bible study on Thursdays? I'm breaking the fourth wall, I'm being interactive. How many, how many years have you been, been doing that? 10 years, what are we going to do to bring together the body of Christ? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have some plans we're going to share next week because they are a little bit in flux, but we want to have, as always, a kickoff Sunday. We're going to have a food truck. We're going to have fun. We're going to have social distance. We're going to have lots of things coming that I can share with you, hopefully this week, midweek in the email, and then next Sunday. So verse 18 to 19, we have a humble, godly, God-fearing prayer request. This is a real deal Christian leader saying, I depend on God, pray for us, pray that we can come back together soon. And then verse 20, finally we get to the actual prayer that this pastor wants to pray over the church. He says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Prayer request isn't even, that's just the introduction to the prayer. Well, how do you normally, dear God, um, that's about it for the introduction, right? Like, Jesus, I mean, I want to unpack this for, for just a moment. I want you to really consider this. You, you can learn a lot about a Christian leader uh, and really, truly any Christian, their relationship with God, their their. Bible knowledge, their walk with Jesus by listening to how they pray. Did you listen to how Pastor Frank prayed over the congregation and and over the Woods family? Time and again, when our leadership has gotten together for our midweek meetings, and most of it has been on Zoom, when there's just 101 extra things that seminary never prepared me for, I turn to Frank and say, Silver Fox, will you please pray for us? And sure thing, he says, and he brings scripture. John Owen was said to, he would bleed scripture because he's in God's word. This is this kind of leader. Now, now, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have years of ministry experience to pray. The father loves the prayers of his children, the simple childlike prayers. The spirit will even intercede on our behalf. You throw up a prayer and the spirit will say, Father, this is what she meant to say. We, we know that that's not what's most important. What's most important in our prayer life is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not truly engaged in prayer, not Christian prayer, not what we see here in Scripture, no matter what flowery, religious-y, I just made that word, trademark, kind of words that you use. And so when you say to your neighbor or to your friend, I'll pray for you, and you're not spirit-filled, that is the definition of being self-righteous. You may not even realize that you are being utterly self-righteous to say, I'll pray for you. When you have no connection to the power source. Our communication skills with God, they grow over time, don't they? They mature over time. There's little Phoenix in the back. She knows a couple of words. I think she knows mama and, and dad, dad. She knows Pastor Pete Della Santina. I'm pretty sure she, I heard that. I'm pretty sure I heard that one. Pretty sure. But she's got a couple of words, but she understands what her parents and her grandmother are saying to her. See, she's growing. She's growing in maturity and communication. It's the same way with prayer. We do it by imitation. We do it by imitation. That's how we learn to pray. And so learn to imitate and pray scripture. That's what we see here. He addresses this prayer. Really, it's a benediction, a blessing to the God of peace. Now, I want you to catch this. Look at those words. Look how deep, in just a matter of one sentence, he goes. Who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead the Lord Jesus. So much is packed in there. The precious blood of Christ, the perfect sacrifice for the eternal covenant, the forever promise that God cut himself. All the themes of, of the book of Hebrews, if, if we could go back and start with chapter one, go through it, all of them are packed in that one sentence that Jesus is better because he has ushered in a new covenant, a new forever promise. Like I said, the way we pray, our Bible knowledge, our theology, and you know, theology means the study of the nature of God. This coming winter, we're going to do a 13-week series called Knowing God. All about the nature, the attributes. Who is this God that we're to pray to? And that's coming in the new year. I can't wait for it. This fall, after our vision series, we're going to do a series called Built to Last about the nature of the church, why it's so important, why I want to climb through that camera, grab hold of you, and, and hug you, church, to say this church was built to last and to withstand any storm. So listen, the, the word peace, if you underline the word peace, it's far more here than just a feel-good kind of word. He's not just talking about the God who will just make things calm and easy for you. Remember our mission, number one, to know God more deeply. So let me ask you a couple of questions to consider. What does it mean to even evoke the words, may the God of peace do these things? How does Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, holy and holy other, grant peace to human beings. The Bible says humankind is at enmity. That's just a fancy word for saying we are estranged. We are in rebellion. We are running from God. We want nothing to do with God. That's how the Bible defines our relationship to God. And you don't need to read the Bible to know that to be true in your heart. It's been implanted in us. If one really considers it, you have a conversation with someone, says, I don't even know this Christian stuff. Well, let me ask you some questions and you will see how far 
a person truly is from knowing their creator. How can that God, with sinful human beings, who according to scripture are under the wrath of God, the judgment of God, how can we know peace? What's the answer? What's the Sunday school answer? Up there in the cheap seats, what's the Sunday school answer? Uh, Jesus? Yes. Star, you get a gold star. But we can go deeper. Yes, Jesus. But through what he says here, the blood of the eternal covenant. You see, the Hebrews would understand what he's talking about here. That, that, that a thousand years before when the Israelites were, were in enslaved in Egypt, they, they marked their, their doorposts with uh, the blood of the lamb and the angel death passed over them and then they were led out through the waters and out into the wilderness to the mountain where a mediator came and spoke God's word to them. He's saying here, folks, Jesus is better than the original Passover. He's the fulfillment of all that Moses could possibly do as a mediator. That's who he's praying to right here. Way better. And that's where we can receive peace. Peace that's eternal. Peace in our souls. The author here would have known it would have been written on his heart, Isaiah 53, 5, that prophesied of the coming of Christ. He was pierced for their transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Scholars think that the author of Hebrews very likely was in the leadership circle, in the sphere of influence of the Apostle Paul, that the Apostle Paul had an influence in this author's. We we keep saying the author because we don't know who, who wrote it, but we think there's a great influence here. Listen to how Paul describes peace. And it's not the kind of peace that is peddled on a simple app that will just make you feel good and clear your mind. It's much deeper and lasting than that kind of peace. Paul says to the church in in Ephesus, and we will be studying the book of Ephesians uh, also next year, he himself is our peace. He's speaking of Jesus. Who made the two groups, this is Two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, two people that were utterly opposed, two different races, two people that wanted nothing to do with each other. He made them one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus brings peace between people who would otherwise have nothing to do with one another. Different side of the tracks different way of life, different understanding of the world. He says he makes the two become one. He brings them together. And then Colossians 1, 19 to 20, God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And what have we heard on the streets of our cities? No justice, no peace. And we as Christians, we resonate with that 
because we are people that want justice. We are people of peace. We are people that want to love everyone, to reach out and care for one another. We want to do well by our city and by our state and by our nation. We want to care for those that are hurting. But when we hear these words, folks, I want you to hear first and foremost the gospel message that Jesus Christ paid the price of our justice, God's justice on the cross that he took that pain so that we would know peace. So first and foremost, when you're looking at TV, you're understanding what the messaging is out there. I want you to have a higher view, a deeper view of what's really going on. No justice, no peace. The peace that passes understanding comes through Christ, who was raised from the dead, resurrection power, and who is now our great shepherd. All of that's packed into this request. And here it comes on behalf of the church family. He says, may God equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And again, folks, that is my prayer for our church and for you, that we would be equipped, Maple Valley Church, that we would be equipped with everything that we need to do God's will. That word equipped, katartiso, it means literally to put into proper condition or, or make complete. It means to be supplied with everything we need and just gathering the supplies. We've got plenty of TP, don't drop off anymore. All the other kinds of supplies. You know what it also means? It means to mend, to mend that which is broken. It's the same word for when Jesus came ashore and called his disciples who were mending their nets. They were katazotizing uh, their nets. They were mending their nets in Matthew 4 and Mark chapter 1. We need both, friends. What a helpful prayer. We need to be supplied by God. We need to be equipped by God to do this vision that he has for us, this mission that he's called us to. But we also need to be mended together. And try anything new, try anything new, and you're gonna, if you're gonna do it well, if you're gonna go for it, you're gonna crack a few eggs, right, to make an omelet. So there's some things that we need to ask God to supply for us, but also to mend in us. I imagine there's someone watching right now who says, I haven't heard from my pastor all these months. I was hoping that he would write me or call me or stop by. And, and, and if, if that's true of you, I'd ask you to please, please reach out to me, one of our leaders. We can care for you, come alongside you. It's in my notes, but I'm just sensing that prompting of that misunderstanding. That's our prayer. Preschool opening. Getting ready to launch a adoption and foster care ministry. Do you realize incredible need in our community, in our region, to care for children that don't have a permanent home. Do you have any idea what our deacons are doing to meet the needs that are in our community? We're running out of space. We're moving 
patio furniture into classrooms so that our deacons can meet with people in need so then we can make space for then Stephen ministry might meet over here and then we got to figure out, Sarah's figuring out the launch of this ministry and all these things. We got mission council still working and bringing in uh, new partners in ministry. All of this is, is swirling around us. So the prayer of God, please equip your church and mend, mend what might be broken. And what we're relying on is resurrection power. That's all through Jesus to his glory forever and ever. Why do we do these things? It's for his glory, to please him. And we pray that it is God's will. That a year from now, we will be sharing with you plans for the very expansion, the plans of, of new classrooms, the plans of new places to meet, the reuse of our facility a year from now. In the midst of COVID, we're planning this. In the midst of all the upheaval, we're on our knees and we're working through this. And here it is, folks, a year from now, if this is God's will, God's people will hear and respond. And if it's not God's will, if it's the will of man, then you won't respond. And so we're just trusting into that. That we have everything God would supply us for at this time. And that it says we would do his will. What's his will? All the things we've talked about this whole summer. Be holy. Love one another. Show hospitality to a stranger. Minister to those that are in prison. Stay true to our marriages. Honor our leaders. Teach our faith to our kids. Witness and follow Jesus. He ends that prayer by saying amen. May it be so. As Robert said often, let's come into agreement. And then there's this little PS, and we'll end with this. Just a little sign off, verse 22. He basically says, pay, pay attention to what I've said. I, I've only taken an hour of your time, and I've taken uh, not that much, but more time than uh, some of us could feel comfortable listening. It's just a short prayer, a short call to remember all that he's, he's written here and to do what he's called us to. He says, I could do more, but suffice it to say, Walk the way of Jesus. See, the instructions of Scripture for a, a, a believing Christian are quite simple to understand. The difficulty is getting our will out of the place, our pride out of the way to actually do what God calls us to do. And then finally, verse 23 and 24, you could summarize that if you're taking notes. He says, love the church. He mentions Timothy. Timothy's released from prison. No idea what happened to Timothy. It doesn't make any mention of the authorities or government. Surely he was arrested having something to do with proclaiming the gospel. He just says he's released. We'll bring him along. Our Italian brothers and sisters say ciao. See you soon. And then he ends with these words, and I'll invite the team to come up. He says, finally, grace to you all. Pray God's grace be with you at home with all of you gathered here, that God's grace would be evident in your life and in this week ahead, that God would bless you with the magnitude, the depth of, of what Christ did for us to bring peace. But Jesus is better. Jesus all the way. Let's go to him in prayer.